0: Noon in Pretoria, and we are privileged to have back... for the engineering news, which I think they're doing because people are starting to hear the message. The message is really, really important. My name is Jean Roux. My co-host, MP Stradon, welcome.
1: Thank you. Hi, Jean. Good to be with you again. And uh, we're getting on with a few episodes now. So I'd like to remind everyone, those of you who are um, doing us the honors of, of uh, listening to our ramblings and and, and and to the less rambling, more factual uh, contributions of our um, guests to please like and share royally and, and specifically comment and ask more questions if you, if you don't mind. We always like to hear from our listeners.
0: Then I want to introduce you to Garth and Max Mayman, who have been on the podcast already. Epi, why do not you handle that for us?
1: Yes, sure. Garth Strachan, he's a a very experienced gentleman. Garth has held positions as the member of the Executive Council Western Cape Government on the Finance and Economic Development and and also been the Chief Director of Industrial Policy and uh, Deputy uh, General Industrial Development at the Department of Trade, Industry and and, and Competition, among many other things. Uh, Max doesn't stand back one bit. When we talk to our clients about the mining value chain and the uh, and the uh, supply chain issues that go along with making that value chain work, Max is one of the experts on that topic. Uh, he's a passion for strategic value chain with, uh, within manufacturing, logistics and retail companies and is regarded as one of the leading supply chain strategists in South Africa. Welcome, uh, Max and Garth, again, back to the Mine World podcast. It's great to have you.
0: Thank you. MP, since mind Warp is a tongue-in-cheek visionary discussion as well, what else do we know about GAF? You know, when we
1: when we were looking at the at the paper that they wrote, one of the things that we're going to be discussing later on is the fact that uh, we need a common language for supply chain to work and to be digitised, uh, which is one of the major outcomes or conclusions of their of their paper. You can correct me if I'm wrong later on, Max and, and Garth. But, but but then, Garth, you said, well, you speak many other languages because you've spent some 18 years outside of South Africa. So tell us about those other languages.
2: Well, thank you very much for the privilege of, of being on the podcast. Uh, history uh, caught up with me rather than the other way around. In our complicated South African uh, political and economic history, I found myself in a so-called exile for 18 years and that would be that's a very long story but um it necessitated that um i moved from uh, bilingualism which was english and a poor command of uh, afrikaans to uh, being able to speak uh, african languages uh, again probably not uh, fluently but uh, Isilossa and Isi Zulu. And then, because I received training in uh, Russia, I came to speak uh, Russian. The, uh, my history perhaps is uh, too colorful to spend too much time on, as a MC once said when I was speaking at a, a, a conference of engineers. That she didn't want to speak about my history because it was too colorful and so perhaps um let me stop there and suggest that uh, at another opportunity we might get into some of that detail
0: mb i don't oh. agree with uh, golf uh, we're going to do a separate podcast on that russia story since we are busy entering the russian market that sounds very interesting That sounds great.
1: I've spent some time in Russia myself and I must say uh, that uh, I have huge respect for anyone who can attempt to learn that uh, language. I found it very, very foreign. (laughs) But speaking of foreign languages, back to you again, John, and maybe you can introduce the
0: topic of our discussion today. Max, uh, we've been talking about these papers in the previous session. Actually, the first paper was the technical value chain. We got a nice comment from somebody on LinkedIn about that. We'll deal with that in the questions later. But you and I have been in discussion since 2016. We joined the common South African client. Uh, That's where we met. That's how long this discussion has been going on. And I am very pleased to tell you that in 2020, five years later, we are having sessions with executives of mining companies, global mining companies that are established in South Africa about exactly this topic. So you guys have, in the meantime, churned out three more papers. Could you give us uh, an idea of those papers and a short two-minute thumbnail sketch of each? Uh,
3: You're putting me under real pressure here with time again, uh, two minutes. The reason for the articles is to create awareness and a common understanding of a very difficult to understand topic. But we wanted to put those markers in so that we can refer to them in a, in a future date when we engage um, executives on the topic of digitalization and what we need. So the articles follow a logical prog- progression of item identification, then the business processes or the language that we use, and then how do we translate that into technology? Uh, And that is the idea is to create a common understanding of all the stuff that we will need in future if we want to digitalize the technical value chain.
0: So the second one is the building blocks for the technical value chain. Uh, They talk about the different standards, etc. The third one is about partnerships beyond the factory gate that's a very manufacturing orientated language and then you talk about the common language that is required uh, coming back to uh, gulfs uh, russian some more words about that
3: so beyond the factory gate is uh, uh, it's an old concept as as you can remember when when the terms value chain and supply chain was first coined in the early 80s uh, we were focused inside the four walls of the factory yeah But if we want to digitalize basically the extended value chain, then we need to develop a common language so that we can describe all of these business processes. Uh, Processes within a mine that translate to the manufacturing of a piece of equipment thousands of miles away. So how do we communicate that to each other? And before we can digitalize that in a process, Then we need to form a common understanding. In, I think it was 2018, when you you and I presented uh, those papers at the the SIME conference, where we started to say, but all of these language that we use, uh, like SCORE, basically CPFR, APQC, but even in mining, the open group developed a mining model, which is language. This language exists. But when we started to engage our colleagues in the mines and the technical supply industry, the language was absent. It was not the same language that we use in automotive, in pharmaceutical, or especially in the fast moving consumer goods industry. And then our question was, why are we not talking this language in our industry?
0: Max, the the thing about these languages, the ones that you've rambled off now, they are not quite new, so there's probably not a good enough excuse about notes, new, we don't have the skills, etc. Some of them date back to the 80s or even earlier.
3: Yes, that for us is very old. in in the early 90s the fast-moving consumer goods industry got together and they formed what we call today as the ecr movement or the efficient consumer response movement and that was a cross industry initiative where the manufacturers and the retailers and the logistics people came together and say if we want to optimize our industry then we need to form a common language to describe it all the business processes Because only if you can do that, we can go back to the technology layer and start digitalize each of those processes. And that is what they did. So that was created in the early 90s, 1992, 94. But we've never seen that translated into the technical industries. And then the question is why? We see the inefficiency, especially within the mining value chain. Uh, when, when I've said it first, we bumped a lot of heads uh, in, in 2018. Now, now it seems to be uh, a common understanding that we need to up our game if we want to survive as a mining uh, fraternity. But then the question is, how do we do it? And the okay. model is there. So please, audience,
0: go uh, and read those papers. They are fantastically written. Very short, very sweet, to the point. Garth and Max... I have pulled out seven themes out of these four papers. I'm going to introduce each of them and then you can comment uh, on this theme. The first one is that what we are doing now, and in the paper you're referring to the fact that we are spending millions upon millions with PDFs, Excels, emails, and free text entries into ERP systems, and this is destroying value.
3: I think it will be a shocker for many companies, especially in the mining industry, if we go back to those board presentations, we the technologies that the mines procured at the time, if we look at why they were procured, what value they would add and all of that, if we look after they've been implemented and look at what real value they are delivering, then we find almost none. And the reason for that is the simplest of the building blocks, the master data, that these systems will need are not defined properly, which then breaks down your big ERP systems. And I think your own system in mine RP starts to suffer because as soon as you deliver a plan, the plan is decrepit immediately because there's no no explosives. So your whole mining plan now suffers. Unless we start getting all of that right, then none of our systems that we buy will actually deliver a value. And, and, and that is what we see at the moment, you know. And for me, the
0: point I summarized was what we are doing now is destroying value for SA citizens.
2: Yeah, no, um, I mean, I think the overriding themes of the four uh, articles and central to the fifth article in engineering news is the fact that successful industrializers have ensured that there are partnerships between the public sector government and the private sector. Yeah. Uh, and our industrial policy in South Africa, with a few exceptions, uh, and the biggest exception is the automotive sector, a- has performed really poorly. And in fact, South Africa's industrialization, deindustrialization, has uh, continued uh, yeah. at pace. And so the early, middle and late industrializers across the globe, central to the industrial policy is the principle of collaboration between the public and the private sector and in some instances, uh, labor. And then secondly, we have to recognize that South Africa has a diversified economy across the primary sectors mining and agriculture, manufacturing and services. But at the end of the day, we have a, a comparative advantage in our mining sector because we have at the very least significant uh, global deposits and a resource endowment across many minerals. The mm. history of economic development in South Africa was one of... Mining and agriculture and the industrialization of the country on the back, especially of mining, the mining supply chain upstream of the mine gate to a lesser extent downstream of the mine gate and uh, the biggest opportunities in South Africa remain in mining and value-added manufacturing upstream of the mine gate precisely because of the fact that there are existing capabilities and capacity and technologies uh, to supply domestic demand and any economic strategy has to be based on domestic demand and then secondly north of our borders is another huge opportunity which is the fact that uh, Africa is the so-called last frontier of mining, resource exploitation, and uh, export. And so uh, this is not to suggest that other sectors, agro-processing, automotives, clothing, and textile, are unimportant. But we have to develop a partnership between the public and the private sector we have to agree on an enabling policy, investment-friendly policy framework. And we have to ensure that best practice upstream of the mine gate in uh, supply chain management and linked to best global practices with respect to item identification standards, procurement, and so on and so forth otherwise we will find ourselves in a situation where we fall behind the global curve that's the supply chain and procurement curve best practice as well as the technology curve productivity uh, decreases and we might even find ourselves uh, locked out of uh, export markets, including on the African continent, and certainly in global uh, value chains. Thank
3: wow. You.
0: Garth, uh, that summarizes my second theme for me, which I've written on COVID, this accelerating collaboration needs. It goes much wider than COVID, obviously. The third one is the need for standardization that is driven by the industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, in terms of processes, master data, item catalogs, We spoke about the language. This is the fourth theme for me, the language that needs to be standardized. Then the fifth one is that technical standards have grown up tremendously to support the endeavors. Max, very shortly around the technical standards, uh, your view on that, because uh, you you will give us a non-technical view of that.
3: Absolutely, as you know me, I will always give you a non-technical view, but um, everyone is talking about the fourth industrial revolution and that is where the discussion stops. Uh, But no one is standing back and saying, but what does it really mean for mining and manufacturing? And if you go and look at the fourth industrial revolution and industry 4.0 that everyone quotes, behind it, to make it work, is a set of well-defined global standards. And, And the reason why we're so hard on this, if we don't adopt it, then that is game over for South African industry. So we need to take careful consideration of all those standards.
0: So I must tell you that uh, because we work globally and lots of people from South Africa are very in tune and in step with what's happening globally because of our offices over there, we support them. We recently worked very closely to a governmental institution of Australia, the government of Australia, where they are implementing mine up be 4 for the mining industry and also for the global needs. This organization uh, is called CRC or, and uh, they are aggressively driving the standards. In your standards document, uh, your uh, write-up, you talk yes. about B2ML, Business to Manufacturing Markup Language. They have instituted uh, through a private partnership a mechanism with which, with which companies can certify themselves to work in the mining industry. That is to the extent which that is going. And I'm hearing that you're saying, if we don't do that, it's it's game over. Tell me about the sixth theme that I've identified out of your four papers. Uh, and that is that it is enabling the mining charter. Is that true?
2: You know, my um, experience of working in government, and I can no longer speak on behalf of government, but I can speak of my experience uh, because... Uh, it's important to do so and to identify what works and what doesn't work. What doesn't work is when government bureaucrats sit behind a computer and develop regulations, which are then imposed upon the private sector without consultation with the private sector. And my personal view is that the 60% localization requirement uh, contained in mining charter three Uh, needs to be revisited. Of course, this matter is now before the uh, legal process and is in court. And so uh, I will watch my words here, but a a blunt instrument such as a 60% local content, regardless of what is being supplied and the quantum of what is being supplied, probably needs revisiting because of the fact that you could probably achieve 100% localization for some items of low value addition. And in other items such as a deep mining vehicle, you might only be able to receive 20% local content because of the technology challenges. And therefore, I'm of the opinion that a much better workable solution needs to be found, which is to suggest that a blunt 60% local content requirement can be superseded with a much more um, nuanced approach. And that nuanced approach is that we can achieve much higher levels of localization for a whole range of products and possibly less for other products. And that a 60% local content, which is a post-procurement or post-purchase regulatory hurdle, puts a cost on mining companies to ensure compliance to this regulation. Because it's a post-purchasing requirement, I would suggest that there is a whole lot of room for, uh, you know, not meeting the requirement because it's such a blunt instrument. And the cost of verification we know is so unbelievably high. And if you place such a high regulatory and cost burden on the private sector, our experience of localization is that it generally fails, and in many cases, opens or may open the door to malfeasance. So the digitalization of the value chain, which Max has been speaking, creates a technical platform which allows a real-time purchasing a clear sight of what is being purchased to the required technical specifications and standards and to meet a collaborative commitment between the public and the private sector to secure localization not as a blunt instrument but as a set of reciprocal conditionalities which says the public sector will come to the table as it does in the uh, automotive sector where government spends somewhere in the region of eight billion rand a year to support that sector. Uh, Government will come to the table to ensure that those companies which are uh, supplying mines with, especially with high value added manufacturing products, A government will bring a range of other policy measures to the table, tax incentives, export credit support, uh, um, discounted financing and working capital arrangements, so that our industrial strategy is based on identifying champion South African companies who benefit from a localization initiative and can be supported to raise their game in terms of productivity, technology, price, on-time delivery and exports. And that lies at the heart of successful industrialization efforts the world over. No. if we simply have a localization, which is a blunt instrument, we may end up what's referred to in the literature as feather bedding. In other words, companies in South Africa are guaranteed a demand from South African mining companies, regardless of the quality of the product, the technology its physical characteristics in terms of durability price over the life cycle of that product and so on and so forth and a sure route to industrial failure is to featherbed companies and you know ensure that they are a guaranteed demand regardless of their meeting reciprocal conditionality for that demand. The biggest procurement, uh, public sector procurement in the world, Uh, you know, these um, procurement uh, programs, whether it's the Buy America Acts or uh, Boeing or Airbus, their supply chains encompass supplier development and strong reciprocal conditionalities with technology, price, quality, and capability at the center of that reciprocal partnership between the procuring entity and the suppliers. And so, it, with the greatest respect, government has got it wrong. And we've got to reinstate the notion of a collaborative industrial partnership in the mining sector. And the digitalization of the mining value chain creates the platform for that to be done. Wow,
0: God, that was like a real old good wine. (laughs) Sure, I'm going to re-listen and re-listen that part. The seventh theme, and uh, let's end off with that. Max, you played around a bit with, uh, with a dream, and you you sketched a dream for us in the fourth paper. Around how could it be? Take us to that.
3: Well, Jean, to connect to what Garth uh, just said, in the end, we need to build a globally competitive supply industry in South Africa. If we can't do that, then mining costs will rise. That will jeopardize the whole effort of mining in South Africa. And we won't be able to create jobs because we are going to specialize in commodity export. Whilst we've got a lot of engineering capability that can be competitive with everyone in the world, but then we need to start to work with each other on a globally competitive basis. That is the vision that we need to create. And you should not take any prisoners on this topic. It starts with the mines specifying what kind of supply industry do they want. Let me just give you a bit of statistics. We have found that less than 10% of all mining suppliers supply 80% of the value of what the mines procure. It's, it's the building blocks of a, a hugely competitive supply chain to the mines that is the last thing we found so now we need to step back and say what do we want for the future what must industry look like and how are we going to achieve that so that is what what is behind this initiative of ours it sounds
1: to me that this is also a great way to kind of uh, step in and stop the so-called uh, resource curse you know, in, in countries where there's a paradox of plenty because we've got all these resources and yet we're not able to uh, to translate that into success for industry and success for, for for training, et cetera, et cetera, and participation in the broader, as well as international economy. So that's what I like about calling this a technical value chain that is really connected beyond, as you say, the gate of the, uh, the actual mine. What's the difference between a value chain and a supply chain. Um, you know, where the one in my mind is is fairly clear. You know, I start with I think there's gold to see. Here is gold, and all of the steps in between <laughs> to add value to to what I'm going to sell. Um, you know, supply chain is so much more than just you know figuring out logistics, isn't it? Uh, how how do you differentiate between those two things?
3: You've picked some interesting words in be calling it uh, logistics. And therein is my problem with terminology, getting stuck on definition. So I will take you back to the early 80s. Michael Porter first coined the phrase uh, value chain, and he looked at all of those operations within an organization, within the four walls of a factory that adds value to the product that creates a margin in the end. Around about the same time, there were two guys, uh, Dr. Wolfgang Patsch, who became a colleague of mine in the late 90s, when I became the partner for supply chain at Arthur Anderson, and uh, Keith Oliver. They coined the phrase supply chain. They were talking about it loosely at a client, and they said, the chain of supply. And the client turned around and said, but why don't you just call it supply chain? And and that is where supply chain was Formed the concept but yet in the 80s our worlds were small because we did not have an internet. we could not make those digital connections and today calling it a value chain is a matter of convenience at the moment. And the reason for that is if I walk into a mine, you see the supply chain office but they do procurement yeah and when I started to engage our colleagues in the mines, talking about supply chain concept physically ran into a wall because the stuff i was talking about was not what they were doing they were doing sourcing and procurement supplier Mm -hmm. management they knew nothing about the engineering plan they knew nothing about the mine rp plan so Mm -hmm. the total concept became then confused because they were the supply chain team but they were actually procurement so i had to change the terminology so i moved back to the value chain concept But just to say most of the thought leaders today and and big companies now understands and they started to use the term the value chain as the extended value chain of all of those operations, including logistics, including mining, including manufacturing, right through the extended value chain as the term that describes it better. Where are we going? I think value chain and supply chain is dead. You might ask why. I think digitalization is going to break all of those uh, barriers to more our concept of programming, of uh, parallel processing. In the middle 90s, early 90s, two Mercer guys published a book called Value Nets. Now Mm -hmm. their Value Net concept was that of parallel processing. Mm -hmm. And I think this terminology will change in the next couple of years. Because the value chain and even supply chain mindset put you in a serialized process, uh, whilst digitalization is going to kill all of that.
0: I can hang on your and Gas lips for the next three days uh, without sleeping. This is fantastic stuff. But we need to bring this podcast to an end. Are there some last thoughts?
2: Yes, I'd like to come in. Um, I, I, you know, I've been uh, constructively critical of public policy and government. And I I think we need to also move the discussion to a constructively critical perspective on mining companies as well. I've heard more than one mining company CEO say, leave the mining to us and we do mining, it's our core business and nothing else really matters. Well, in fact, I would beg to differ. The history of the industrialization of South Africa, as well as the important principle of industrialization, is linked to a value chain. And miners can't just do mining. They are linked inextricably to other parts of the economy. And in my view, we should persuade them That it's in their interest and in the national interest to see their core business as part of a wider economic institutional uh, and operational environment and infrastructure where if we work together we all win wow
3: from my side our words are well chosen to create controversy and unlock argument (laughs) Because I think I think that is what we need. We need to engage this process. It's yeah. a new process uh, between mining and mining suppliers, especially on the technical side. And the only way we're going to get through this is we disagree like hell and we talk until we find a solution, you know.
0: Excellent. So with that, let's bring this podcast to an end. There's so much more to talk about. MP, let's do this again in the world of uh, attention spans that can only handle 140 characters at a time uh, swiping up very fast this is the contrary to that there's some deep thinking that has been done here and that is required fantastic guests that we had MP we'll see if our listener count goes up or down with those with those uh, statements that's been made by our guests but um yeah this is what mindwarp is all about Thank you very much. Signing off from jean
1: rue so I love it and uh, it's certainly warped a few eyebrows, if not minds. Looking forward to, to getting some comments from our uh, listeners. Uh, please let us know and we can have Max and Garth back and also to engage with your answers online. Uh, thank you everyone. Thank
0: you, Max. Thank you, Garth. Thank you.